Welcome to the Venari podcast. My name is Joe Knight and I lead the commercial function in the life sciences and healthcare practice at Venari Partners. I'm joined today by Kate McKinley, Chief Business Officer at Rani Therapeutics. Kate's an experienced biopharma executive with an enviable track record across big pharma and biotech. In the podcast today, we're talking about preparing and hiring an organization for commercialization and general commercial strategy. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the Venari Podcast. Hi, Joe, and thank you for having me. I think this series you have launched in 2023 is super valuable to educating your community on the impact of commercial decisions on both product development and lifecycle management. You are providing such valuable insights to commercial executives as well as executives seeking to build strong partnerships with the commercial teams in their organization. So really excited to be here with you today. Thank you so much. So for the podcast today, Kate, let's start with you. Tell us a bit about your experience to date. I have worked in life sciences for nearly 25 years. I spent 17 years at Abbott and then moved to AbbVie after the company split and worked in and led all aspects of commercialization with my final role leading a 250 person organization within the oncology team. I then had the opportunity to join Dendrion, which as you know, are the pioneers in cell therapy. While at Dendrion, I was approached to join Elevar Therapeutics as employee number 20. I joined as chief commercial officer and ultimately built business development, alliance management, corporate communications, compliance, medical affairs, and the commercial supply chain. We were acquired, and I then became the CEO prior to the full transition of the company to the parent organization, who were based in Korea. After our acquisition, I launched a business serving as a fractional executive, advisor, and board director to early stage companies in biopharmaceuticals, diagnostics, and health tech to support business development, fundraising, corporate and commercial strategy, and organizational scale up. And then in May of this year, I started a new role at Ronnie Therapeutics. Yeah, and congratulations on the new role, by the way. We'd love to know a little bit more about Rani Therapeutics and what you're up to at the moment. Thank you, Joe. I am really excited about the opportunity to work with the team at Rani. At Rani Therapeutics, our mission is to solve the problem that continues to plague biologics, and that is delivery via painful injections. And we are doing that by offering best-in-class delivery via our proprietary technology called the Rani Pill, combined with the best treatments available in numerous therapeutic areas. The Rani pill is an enteric coated capsule that passes through the stomach and deploys an injection into the small intestine, which is actually one of the few sites in the human body with no sharp pain receptors. So the patient feels no pain when the medication is delivered. The Rani pill is drug agnostic and we have studied 15 molecules in preclinical. And everything we've studied from peptides, antibodies, and large proteins has demonstrated comparable and even better bioavailability to the injection. We have now completed two phase one studies. We are currently in our third phase one, and we are beginning a phase two study this year. Ronnie's technology is the furthest along of any robotic world pill, and no technology that has been tried has made it into humans like the Ronnie pill has. 
What's exciting about how rapidly we are advancing our technology is how much we are learning about the true value of an oral. Of course, we know patients prefer orals. In fact, our patient research shows close to 90% of patients currently on a self-injectable would move to an oral if it were available. And patients are at the heart of what we do. So this is a huge driver for us at Ronnie. However, with the dosing flexibility of an oral, we are beginning to demonstrate how we can take a product that, that is currently injected monthly or even several times a year and potentially deliver a better product by dosing more frequently with an oral. We call this the power of more frequent dosing, which is the exact opposite of the infrequent dosing regimens we see with injectable products. We have a lot of opportunities to pursue at Ronnie Therapeutics to deliver this technology to our patients, and I'm up for the challenge in my new role. Awesome. No, it sounds it sounds fantastic. I'd like to ask you to think about your career as a whole kind of more holistically now. Um, so you're now in this small biotech world, kind of working on, on these really innovative areas, but you started your career in big pharma with Abbey and Abbott, and more recently you, you've moved into these smaller companies. How do you approach that transition uh, from pharma to biotech? I'm a huge proponent for working in large established companies earlier in one's career. I am super grateful for my time at Abbott. I learned the discipline of how to plan and execute effectively. And I worked with so many subject matter experts across numerous domains and functional areas. However, during that time, I began to lift my head and, and look around for what was next. I'm constantly identifying opportunities to learn and grow. I, I really lean into the discomfort and the challenge. So my move to Dendrion was strategic in many ways, and it really set me up well for the transition from an established organization to an emerging company. Having learned the rigor and the discipline at Abbott allowed me to bring unique value to a company still in development. It's very cliche, but at Dendrion, we really were building the plane as we were flying. And I look back now and kind of chuckle that, that I had no fear. You know, um, it was an exhilarating experience. So therefore, joining Elevar as employee number 20 was a no-brainer. My entire career was at these, these revenue-generating companies, and here I was joining a privately held company with no revenue, and I was the first business strategist. And that experience culminated in becoming the CEO and being acquired by a conglomerate based in Korea. I stretched myself and learned and grew in more ways than I had previously thought possible. And it's interesting you ask about this transition from big pharma to smaller startup companies. I've also come to realize there's a certain level of patience and willingness, not just to learn, but also to teach. As I shared, there is so much opportunity to learn because things aren't perfectly buttoned up at a startup, which is fantastic, but it also requires patience. It's simply not for everyone. Not everyone enjoys the building, the cleanup, and the rework that can come with a startup. You'll also likely encounter people with vastly different backgrounds and experiences. I really enjoy understanding how someone's upbringing, so to speak, in the industry gives them a perspective different than mine. But again, I've witnessed this is hard for some people. In the startup emerging world, you have to be open to learn and to teach others that do not have some of the same experiences that you've had. 
Awesome. No, really great advice there and a nice way to think about your your career as it's developed. Let, let's talk a little bit about Elevar. Um, an interesting story being promoted from Chief Commercial Officer to Chief Executive Officer. Can you tell us a little bit more about that process and maybe how your commercial mind came into the CEO role? Absolutely. By the time I had become CEO of Elevar, I had touched or built most of the company, so it was a natural transition. In fact, during my time as CEO, I frequently heard from my team, you don't seem like a first-time CEO. And I felt really comfortable and confident in my role because I had such a strong grasp on every aspect of the business. In my prior work advising companies and now at Ronnie and even back at Elevar, one common theme we discuss is identifying and bringing in that commercial mindset as early as possible. So does that mean that a chief commercial officer should be hired in the early stages of development? Not necessarily, but it is critical for companies to ensure the commercial perspective is considered as the clinical development program is being created as regulatory strategy is built, as trials are being designed. This is paramount to ensuring commercial success at launch. And in today's soft market, we're seeing investors demanding commercial insight, including pricing and reimbursement strategy much earlier in the development process, even prior to funding early stage companies. And you asked about current chief commercial officers becoming CEOs, and I'm so glad you asked because as I mentor high performers in their career path, and you know many are looking to become CEOs, we frequently speak about this. I often advise those chief commercial, those heads of commercial to really ensure they get as much exposure to the business, even outside of the commercial role, so they can bring those commercial insights into the other functional areas. And I was fortunate to do that at Elevar because I helped build most of those teams. And so when I stepped into the CEO role, I had the perspective, that commercial perspective to drive decision making and the respect of those key functional areas to help ensure our success at Elevar. Obviously, business development, fundraising are a necessity for today's CEO, but we're seeing investors demand that commercial acumen along with regulatory, clinical development, and quality. And as I've said about myself for several years now, you know, I probably won't end up leading regulatory or quality, but my commercial perspective makes me an engaged and important seat at the table during those discussions because I have a grasp on the implications of strategies that are built and on decisions being made, as well as the skills needed for leaders of those organizations. And that, of course, is what being a CEO is all about. So my advice to a strong commercial leader aspiring to become a CEO is don't take another commercial role or product, but take those opportunities outside of the commercial organization to bring in your commercial expertise to infuse that mindset throughout the organization. And in the process, you're going to stretch yourself to learn and grow. Yeah, awesome advice there for the for the chief commercial officers out there thinking about that, that CEO jump. If you look a layer beneath that, um, to commercial leaders who are maybe VP, SVP, either in big pharma or biotech, thinking about becoming a chief commercial officer. Is there anything specifically you say to those folks? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Again, I think it's the broadening out of your commercial uh, expertise. So we see a lot of individuals that will have grown up in marketing or will have grown up in market access. And I think you need to make sure that you have a solid grasp across all domains of commercial. And if that is taking on a project, if that is taking on a, a sidestep or even maybe what would be viewed as a step down in your career, to really make sure that you have a solid grasp so that when you're stepping into the commercial role, you have the confidence, but you also have the confidence and credibility of the organization to be able to lead the entire commercial function. Yeah, thank you. I think it's all, all about breadth, right? And having an understanding across those functions. So finally, let's talk about building a commercial team. At Elevar, you, you built the organization. You said you touched all parts of it. When you were preparing the organization for that commercialization piece, how did you go about getting everything in the right place and, and putting the right people in the right roles? Yeah, this is great, Joe, because unfortunately, we have seen companies first think about and plan for commercial at some point during a phase three. And I think we realize now that that's, that's a little too late. And as I've said earlier, if there's one takeaway I have, it's that it's never too early to infuse a commercial mindset. So the first commercial hires are not necessarily in the commercial organization. As a company scales, executives need to assess if the individuals that are hired to build and lead key departments such as HR, finance, IT, even legal, are experienced in companies with commercial products and companies that have launched products out into the market. So having that relevant commercial experience across numerous functional areas these experience that for, of these individuals will greatly support a strong trajectory as the company scales and increase the likelihood of success at launch. And then, of course, is the hiring of the commercial organization. One skill that I'm passionate about hiring into a startup, an emerging company, is what I call a strategic doer. A strategic doer is a person that can simultaneously build the strategy and roll up their sleeves to do the work and get the job done. And I think it's critical that companies that are launching, particularly for the first time, really profile for this in many key roles, especially in their commercial organization, which is just critical to the overall success of the company and that first launch. Yeah. Awesome. No, really nice thoughts there, Kate. Thank you so much for joining the Venari podcast. It was really a pleasure to have you on. Thank you, Joe, for this opportunity. It was fantastic to discuss the importance of infusing a commercial mindset as early as possible. And I had a great time speaking with you and wish you continued success at Venari. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Kate. Thank you. Awesome. Uh, great. I'll just